This is exactly right. On the 12th season of Tenfold More Wicked, we investigate a series of compelling mysteries from the city of Fall River, Massachusetts, where problems started generations before Lizzie Borden's murders made her a household name. Join me as we cover the misfortunes that have befallen this infamous town for more than 150 years, including the Great Fire of 1843. Season 12 premieres Monday, May 13th on Exactly Right. Follow Tenfold More Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. Hello, and welcome to My Favorite Murder, the mini-sode. That's right. That's Karen. Hey. <laughs> That's Georgia. Hey. 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 Uh, yo. Should I start? Yeah, do it. Okay. This is called My Mom Left Me With a Ghost Man. Lighthearted? <laughs> question mark. <laughs> hey, guys. I don't know if you believe in this sort of stuff, but it's a fun story either way. For background, I grew up in a very witchy family. My mother taught my sister and I how to read tarot cards. My aunt is a crystal healer and my grandma was part of a coven. Oh, that being said, you'd think the women in my family were badasses when it came to ghosts. The house I grew up in was haunted by the guy who built it, or so my mother says. (laughs) (laughs) There have been several occasions where you would hear someone call your name while home alone Mm. or late at night see a shadowy man walk through the house. The call your name thing is so menacing where it's like, I'm not just haunting this house. I'm fucking coming. I know who I know you're living here and I'm fucking coming after you. I know it's you specifically. That's horrifying. Specifically mad at you. Or not. Whenever these things happen, we would complain to my mom that the ghost was back and she'd promised to take care of it. (laughs) Mom! (laughs) Can you do your witchy shit again? He's back. Uh, One night, my mom's insomnia was being a pain, so she hung out in the living room watching TV. At that time, my bedroom was on the opposite side of the living room's wall, so you could hear everything going on in either room. As it was a school night and I was in high school, my mom got very frustrated when she heard talking coming from my room. Assuming I was talking to a friend on the phone, she got up, marched to my closed door, and opened it, ready to scold me. As the door was opening, my mom explained that something like a fist slammed down onto her arm. Being the brave and smart witch she is, she shut the door and went to bed. (laughs) 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 And said, thanks, mom. So there's like a demon that's like, I don't want you going in my daughter's room. And she's like, all right. She's like, well, if that's what you want, I have to respect your wishes. You're a guest in my house. That's right. You can have her. Uh, When I woke up the (laughs) next morning to get ready for school, I noticed a huge bruise on her arm and asked how she managed to get it. She laughed and told me to sit down before explaining how she basically left me to be murdered by a ghost man. (laughs) I tried doing research on the house and asked my folks multiple times if they knew anything about its history, but I never got any answers. Anyway, thanks, you guys, for making the drive to and from work less horrible. Stay sexy and don't leave your kids with ghosts, Brittany. I mean, it's hard to blame even a witch mother in a scenario like that because it's like, well, I'm the only one that witnessed this, so I can right. just kind of like claim total ignorance and yeah. just go to like sleep it off. Maybe it was like a friendly ghost who was like, let her sleep. She's in high school. She needs her sleep. I Punching isn't friendly. Ghosts right. are not, right. not allowed. Not right. allowed in this household. 
Hitting is bad. Hitting is bad. Ghosts included. All right. This is, this is intense. Okay. I'm not going to read you the subject line. Hi, Karen, Georgia, Stephen, and Pets. This isn't exactly a hometown, rather something that happened a few cities away. But considering the enormous variety of topics you guys take in, I'm going to take a safe guess that it's okay to send it in. And then there's a nice smiley face. Um, You're right about that. It's 1999 in Northwest Poland. A 70-year-old lady named Olga lives in a small village populated by 200 people. She is retired, but trying to make some extra pocket money by selling homemade wine at the local market. She was really kind and well-liked by the community. She would often let people take the wine and do small chores for her as payment. Hmm. Oh, that's like, that would have worked out great for me. Yeah. In my days... <laughs> And then it said in parentheses, this might have been a trap for many alcoholics, but it's 1999 Poland, so everybody is a little drunk anyways. I amen. When we went on that trip in high school, right. we went. We got to go to Russia, and then it was like Russia, Poland, and the East was the name of the trip. Wow. So we got to go to Poland, and it was one of my favorite countries we visited. It's It's a party country, <laughs> and the people are awesome. That's I loved it there. Amazing. Okay. One day, people in the village realized that they hadn't seen Olga in a couple of days. And since she was usually very social and open, the concerned neighbors checked on her. And when nobody would come to the door, they called the cops. The police came and found the apartment completely trashed and Olga dead on the floor in the pool of blood Mm. as she'd been stabbed in the neck. (gasps) The cops ruled an armed robbery gone wrong as the place was wrecked and clearly looked through. The whole community started to freak the fuck out. Everybody knew each other and crime was not at all a concern in this place before the event happened. After a few months with still no suspects in custody, a film crew from the popular crime TV show 997 came to the village. The producer wanted to film a reenactment of possible scenarios in which Olga died and engaged nosy villagers to play the parts. By that time, everybody believed that Olga's murderer was an outsider passing through the village looking for money because such crime has never happened again. And as I mentioned before, people there knew and trusted each other. And then in parentheses, the TV show came out, didn't really help to capture the murderer, though. Fast forward to 2008, Mm -hmm. when the cold case reopened and the DNA evidence was tested for the first time. The police was surprised to find that the murderer was 55-year-old... I'm going to guess that you pronounce this name Rizard, but I bet I'm wrong because it's Polish, which yeah. is one of the most <laughs> <laughs> just be- bewildering languages yeah. um, who lived down the street from Olga. The harp, we'll say Richard just, right? Okay. 55 years old Richard who lived down the street from Olga. The heartbreaking thing is that he knew her since for many, many years and often visited her for a glass of wine and a mm-hmm. chat. The police ambushed him at work and arrested him. He was shocked that after so many years, he hadn't gotten away with it and immediately confessed to the murder. Apparently, this lazy ass psychopath needed money assumed that olga had plenty from her winemaking business and broke into her apartment at night he stabbed her in the neck burgled the place and took what around four hundred dollars it isn't clear if he meant to kill olga to begin with or was just surprised by her presence somehow expected her to be asleep or away when the shocked villagers looked back at the 997 episode they saw richard 
sitting there playing a friendly neighbor and enjoying a glass of homemade wine with sweet old Olga being who he supposedly really was. Oh, my God. Yeah. Isn't that horrible? Chilling. Yeah. He like it's those people that go and volunteer to help search. And they're the one that killed the person everyone's searching for. He was convicted, got a life sentence, is now rotting in prison for the rest of his miserable days. Sorry for my crooked English. Stay sexy and don't love thy neighbor, Pat. Wow. It's never... Everyone, I mean, this might be old-timey, but, like, wants to believe it's some stranger going through town because nobody would do that one. It's like, it's never, ever that. I mean, sometimes it's that, but... But uh, no, I think the per- it's something like 94% of crime yeah. is someone that you know, totally. which is horrifying. All right. Hey, all It's a chunky one, so I'll get right into it. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yep. We all know how this goes. My family starts to worry because all I talk about is true crime. So I stopped talking about it around them. And then one day during a rough patch I was having, my dad pipes up with, did I ever tell you about the murderer who lived next door to my friend? Why, no, father, you didn't tell me everything. <laughs> I love the dad's like, let me save this happy story. This, this, what would normally someone would want a happy story, a horrible story for when you're down. Yeah, and they're saving it like a Christmas gift. <laughs> That's right. Just like, we'll just put this up on the shelf until yeah. she really needs it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Dad's friend Warren and his family moved into a house in Birmingham, UK back in 2006 He moved into a road just off the main busy Birmingham roads where he could watch his kids grow up and play outside in the garden. Their neighbors all seemed lovely with an older couple on one side and a family on the other. Within a year, things started to go downhill. In 2007, the police kept turning up at their door, always because of a wildly concocted story by the old man, Harry, next door. It seemed like he loved the drama of seeing his next door neighbor squirm, but that's all he's going to do, right? No, things started getting a bit more serious. Harry drilled a large metal bar into their adjoining wall and hit it with a hammer at all hours. What? Yeah. He chucked (laughs) golf balls at their house, verbally threatened and abused them, and even turned up to a garden party with a gun. And it says, in England? Yeah, because they don't fucking, they don't do guns in England. And also, they don't do garden parties in America. So, like, we suddenly knew. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Warren and his family decided that they had had enough. And in 2013, they sold their house and moved not too far away on the other side of town. Having been complaining to the police about the abuse and harassment from the neighbor and them not helping them out, the final call came when the old man turned up at their new house telling them, I have found you. I know where you live. What? Yep. Jesus Christ. And it says four days later. Yeah, I know. Right. The police finally moved in to arrest him. When the police turned up at his house to arrest Harry, they did a search and found a large amount of weapons, including guns, homemade bullets, and even some anti-aircraft shells. What? The bomb disposal experts had to be called and surrounding families evacuated from their houses until the house was made safe. Mm-hmm. But police were more shocked to find out that this old man was actually Barry Williams. Barry was a spree killer who in 1978 shot eight people, killing five and attempted to shoot many others across two Midlands towns. Ooh. Following a high speed car chase, he was arrested and later convicted of manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility. 
He was detained under mental health legislation in a secure hospital. In 1994, he was given a conditional release. But once he left, he found a loophole, which meant he changed his name. Yes, Barry to Harry and moved to Wales, got married and had a family. His family returned to Birmingham in 2005. And then Warren and his family moved in next door a year later. Mm. After the 2013 incident, Barry pled guilty to three charges of possessing a prohibited firearm, putting a neighbor in fear of violence, and making an IED. He was ordered to be detained indefinitely. He died in December 2014 from a suspected heart attack in a secure hospital. Warren and his family are doing really well, and me and my dad now regularly chat about true crime and are extra wary of our neighbors. (laughs) Thank you for being your wonderful badass selves, for continuing to inspire us all on a regular basis, and for being unapologetically you. I look forward to you joining me in the car next episode. <laughs> Kindest <laughs> flow. Oh, flow. Wow, that's the timing of that. Like, and then a year later, yeah, they move in next door. It's like the beginning of Hell. one of those nightmare neighbor horror shows. Back when Vince and I were looking for our first house, we found a house we really loved and like on the listing, but we realized that every, that there had been seven owners in the past two years or some crazy amount of owners. So we went to my stepdad, who's our real estate agent. We're like, what's the, it's haunted, right? What's the deal? And he's like, it might be that there are like bananas neighbors next door. So we didn't go to look at it. Yeah. It's like, I'll take a haunting, but a fucking neighbor who like hates you. Uh uh-uh. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's yeah. bad. You yeah. can't get away. Yep. You can't get away. That's right. This subject line of this is a very unfortunate mix up. Okay. Hello. For the last two years, I've been trying to figure out what hometown I should send in. It's been a toss up between my 16 year old brother fighting off a robber, the salon I work at getting robbed at knife point midday, or me almost calling the cops on my dad's weed dealer when I was five. But I chose something more lighthearted. Okay, great. I love when it's like, I I, I could tell you this, I could tell you this, but I'm telling you this. I love (laughs) those. Because here's the thing. Anyone who writes an email like that, and I hope this is from E, so I hope that E remembers now you can circle back and send in all those other ones. That's right. We'll never stop needing minisodes. We won't. We've committed to doing this for 45 years. <laughs> okay. There hasn't been a minisode around here in 45 years. 45 years. Uh, so my brother was in Boy Scouts and my dad was very active in it, as most of the fathers were. On his first scout camping trip, my father volunteered to be a cook. But when you're around that many children, a criminal record check is required. <gasps> What? Oh, no. Yeah. And thank God it is. Yeah, yeah. Good. A week later, my dad's informed that he can't volunteer because he was charged with selling cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) This was news to not only the scout leaders, but to my dad. You can imagine how shocked a man who had never sold cocaine in his life was to hear this. A few years before, my dad saw some sketchy kid in our very family-friendly neighborhood who was clearly off his rocker. As the good father he is, he called it in out of concern. It turned out the kid was carrying enough cocaine to be charged with intent to sell. Mm. The kicker is that they mixed up my dad's name with the guy (gasps) who had the cocaine. So my dad was just casually living life with a drug trafficking charge. Oh, my God. All was sorted out, and my dad was able to attend the camp. 
Thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that you do, and your podcast makes my long road trips much more enjoyable. E. Oh, that that is so fun. At least it wasn't like a like he was at the border or something like that. Ugh. And that's I actually know someone who found out that their partner had a, dr- a legit drug charge because they were always like uh, they went to fucking um niagara falls and they were like let's go into canada let's go to the canada side and the partner was like uh nope i don't want to i don't want to and then they were like why what's the problem and it's like <laughs> i can't go to canada because i have a drug charge. shit were they never they just were never going to say anything or was the beginning of the relationship i think it was the beginning of the relationship it happened a long time ago yeah If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye hey karen you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing i do i know it well well while there's no cure for stress therapy can help shape your response to it and since may is mental health awareness month there's no better time to try talkspace when you sign up for talkspace you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist typically within 48 hours forbes rates talkspace as the number one online therapy platform plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies once you meet your therapy goals or if you want to cancel for any reason talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. 
I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter her promo code space 80. Goodbye. Okay, this one, I'm not going to read you the whole thing, but it's that starts out told to jump out of a car. <laughs> you recently asked for stories when we were told to jump out of a car. So here we go. <laughs> when I was in high school, some friends and I had driven up to Mount Lemon in Tucson, Arizona, where I grew up. Driving back down, we realized we were pretty much out of gas. God, this is fucking me, even as an adult. But figured we could coast all the way down to a gas station at the base. Sure, why not? <laughs> Roll those dice. Uh, the only tricky part was one stretch that leveled out for a bit. My friend Mark and I were in the back seat. And as the car started slowing down, he told me that we should help by pushing. He opened his door, jumped out, and started jogging alongside helping to push. Not to be outdone, I opened my door and <laughs> stepped out, did not start jogging, and fell. As it turns out, we were still going about 10 miles per hour, and you can't just step out of a moving car like it is parked. That's I true. Some, uh, <laughs> I did somehow manage to grab onto the armrest on the door with both hands to catch my fall. But now with my <laughs> arms fully stretched out in a Superman pose, gripping the armrest with my fingers, I found myself being dragged alongside the car. After what felt like forever, but was probably only about 20 seconds of being dragged over the dirt with a creeping panic, I had realized that my weight was causing the door to slowly close. And in doing so, it was guiding my lower body underneath <gasps> the car. Yep. This is when I resigned that I was 100% going to be run over. <laughs> This was an old ass boat of a car with a huge back door. So it was going slowly, which gave me a little time to process. I realized that if I let go when the door was almost shut, the rear tire might hit my abdomen versus if I let go earlier, then I would just have my legs run over. What a Good choice God. to fucking make. Sorry, I hate to ask this, but how old is, is this teenager stuff? Oh, yeah, this teenager stuff. For okay, sure. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I let go. The rear tire ran over me, and as the car slowly pulled away, I gave up completely and just continued to lay on the ground. <laughs> yeah. It was only when Madeline, the driver, saw my crumpled body in the rearview mirror that anyone realized I was out of the car. That's correct. The entire time I was being <laughs> drug outside the car, I was, all caps, completely silent. <laughs> It never occurred to me to call out or tell anyone. I just quietly struggled and then closed <laughs> and then chose to be run over instead of just saying, hey, could you stop the car for a sec? Hey, could you fucking stop driving? 
<laughs> that is such life. Like you're just like, well, this is my problem. I'm going to fucking deal with it and take whatever happens instead of being like, hey, I need help. That's like th- what therapy is. It's like, hey, can you stop the car real quick? <laughs> hey, um, here's the thing. I need to sign up to have a professional explain to me how I don't deserve to get yeah. run over. Yeah. And I actually if and that my need to not be run over is valid uh, yeah. no matter who's driving or right. what they're doing. And you're not putting anyone out by needing someone to stop so you don't get your legs run over. I really relate to that though. Samantha. Not to, I relate to Samantha of not being able, just being trained out of asking for help because (laughs) you get like dismissed so much that after a while you're like, well, if I can't do it for myself, like I have to solve this problem. Yeah. Someone could stop the car. Easily. There, there isn't the choice between getting your legs run over, getting your abdomen run over are not the only two choices. There's other choices. There's one more, which is stop the fucking car. Uh, Just start yelling and just start yelling something. Or just, ah, it's good. <laughs> but I also get the point of like being so embarrassed all of a sudden where you're just like, oh, I fucked up so bad. Like nobody noticed me. Yes. And also, where's Mark? Like Mark jumped out and ran along. Yeah. This was his fucking plan. Mark didn't see her? Did, was she trying to be kind of dainty and ladylike? And then she, because yes. truly my favorite visual is opening the door and then being stretched out Superman style. <laughs> totally. You don't want anyone to see that shit. The at the very least, you were absolutely in the right to yell, Mark, what kind of plan is this? <laughs> yeah. Or just don't. Mark, what don't the trust, fuck? Everyone knows don't trust Mark. Like, that's the number one thing. Mark is like, Mark's wearing dove dove running shorts and no shirt. He's like, cool. It's cool if you right. just get out and run alongside. It's like, it is for you, Mark. Yeah. I get Samantha's want to be like, I'm not, Mark's not going to show me up. I'm a badass, too. And then be like, oops. Or what if Samantha was lightly in love with Mark and she was just trying to show that she too can get out of a moving car and run alongside it all chill, no B- NBD? Right. Or maybe she was in love with Madeline and she was like, I'm going to show Madeline. Fuck Mark. I'm going to show Madeline what I can fucking do. She's like, I'm going to show Madeline that I never ask for anything and I'll never make a peep <laughs> if I'm even if I'm being run over by a fucking car. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was pretty dirty huh. and kind of sore. <laughs> I bet. But it worked out because I got all the attention a middle child could ever dream of from my friends (laughs) we made it to the gas station the next day my legs swelled up like crazy and i never told my mom (laughs) so there it is stay sexy and stay in the damn car samantha she her god i almost want to guess that samantha's mom was a nurse because that's that kind of that's exactly the kind of thing we're like i did get run over but it's i'll just ice them it's yeah Samantha's mom had no sympathy when you got hurt because you did something dumb. It was like, well, what did you fucking think was going to happen? Kind of. Yeah. Right. Yeah, probably. Also, sorry, but she had her legs run over and it just like they didn't break or she didn't look into it further. (laughs) Look into it further is the great question of them all. I don't know. Yeah, we need a follow up on that one. That's Samantha. Great job. That's yeah. That was a good one. Good visuals. Okay. The subject line is who does this drunk child belong to? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Hi. Hello. Yada, yada, yada. Let's get a move on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. 
Picture it, South Carolina, 1975. I have just been dethroned from my six-year run as baby of the family by the arrival of my sister. Mm. My mom's in the hospital, and my dad's in charge of getting the house ready for Christmas and keeping two older brothers and me alive. (laughs) Not only have I been summarily dismissed from my place in the spotlight of baby and shunted into the (laughs) ignominy, ignominy that is the middle child syndrome, and then in parentheses it says just call me Jan. (laughs) But I also have a very bad cold. My grandmother had taken me to the doctor and he prescribed Dimetap back before you could get it over the counter. You know, when they had alcohol in it. Hell yeah. Right? Have some fun. One of my greatest and earliest memories is in our very first house, jumping on my bed and drinking grape cough syrup. Like <laughs> it tasted kind of, so good back it then. It was so good, uh-huh. and it was. I was just like, "What a great day!" Like yeah. I would just pause jumping on the bed to drink a little cough syrup, a little scissor right there. <sighs> ooh, ooh! Mm-hmm. It was like that's how you know you were an alcoholic. Like <laughs> I, I was five, and I could figure out where the good stuff was. Well, they kept it in the. Fr- I remember they kept it in the fridge, right? And had oh. that little weird spoon that was like a measuring spoon and you were like open up hell yeah or the, the bubblegum one it was uh it was pre bubblegum flavor pre spoon you just got your little shot glass that yeah. was plastic that went on top of the lid they're just like creating alcoholics at this yeah. point yeah okay Yes. We picked up my prescription and came home where my gammy, who's named Lib, gave dad the instructions for dosage. Perhaps he paid attention to the directions, but who knows? (laughs) He gave me a dose before dinner. The thing is, I was sick and I didn't feel like eating, especially since dad wasn't known for his cooking skills back then. Mm. I wasn't perking up, so he figured he should give me a bump since it didn't (laughs) seem to be working. (laughs) A, a bump of Dimetap. I love it. Well, something worked. My father <laughs> ended up calling my mom at the hospital and saying, you have a drunk six-year-old. <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah. Yep. Mom's response was, no, I have a newborn. You have a drunk six-year-old. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, she knows. It's been 46 years and that story still gets pulled out and presented like I'm the lush. <laughs> <laughs> right personally i think my dad was just prepping me for later life when the new arrival would would drive an older me to drink stay sexy and make sure that your kid is eaten before dosing them julie (laughs) yeah dad that's on you that's another one of those like not like you got drunk why did you get your kid drunk it's like stop (laughs) blaming the six-year-old for the for the meds you fed her uh, yes. without fucking your shitty dinner. Yeah, this the the setup the setup as it exists now is when you hold up a spoon, that child's gonna open her mouth. Right, that's the trust, and that's you're in charge. Yeah, that's what absolutely. it's like. And also, can you imagine calling a woman who <gasps> just had a baby to be like, you've you've got a drunk six year old. You got to deal like, with this drunk six year old. I love that she was like, no, he's like. You're not, not bitch. you're not babysitting. You are parenting. Yeah, that's Fucking right. Shut up and welcome it. to it. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Send us your fucking stories, whatever they may be. Yes, please do. And also stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, do you want a cookie? <laughs> This has been an Exactly Right production. Our senior producer is Hannah Kyle Crichton. Our producer is Alejandra Keck. 
This episode was engineered and mixed by Stephen Ray Morris. Our researchers are Jay Elias and Haley Gray. Email your hometowns and fucking hoorays to myfavoritemurder at gmail.com. Follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at myfavoritemurder and Twitter at myfavemurder. Listen, subscribe, and leave us a review on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Goodbye. Goodbye.